Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Rain Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to a very special Best of the Outdoor Line. We've uh, picked out some pretty good segments, I think, Robbo. We've had so much fun here over the years, and, and some of these segments, we go back and listen to them all the time, and we think you're going to enjoy them, too. Uh, definitely worth another listen here, and, and hope you enjoy this Best of show right here on the Outdoor Line. And uh, somebody that smells like a Kodiak blacktail joining us now. Elevate your opti- optical experience with VortexOptics.com. He is the product experience manager for Vortex Optics, our dear friend, Mark Boardman. Good morning, Mark. How are you, man? Morning, buddy. Good morning, gentlemen. Man, I am doing great. Like I said, I'm just coming off an epic, epic hunt on Kodiak, finished cutting meat last night, and uh, now, now I'm talking to you guys, so life's good. So, just, just another part of your job. <laughs> you, you have to go out there and do this stuff, Mark, and and it, it's got to be tough, you know, flying all over the country, shooting deers and bears. And, tough, to, and, tough to be the product experience yeah, manager if you don't experience, experience products. All that, yeah. that stuff. Tell us about it, buddy. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys can see it from my perspective because it, it really is a burden. Yeah. Oh, well, so, so tell us about it, man. Kodiak Island blacktails. Let's have it. Dude, I mean, it, it, it was off the charts. I mean, you know, I mean, typical Kodiak, it gave us a little bit of everything. But, man, it, it was truly just one of the most fun, epic, you know, toughest, challenging. You know, I was with some of my best friends. Um, I was with, you know, Eric Barber, Sawyer Briel from work. Um, and then we met up with uh, Brad Brooks and Jason from Argali Outdoors and uh we just had we had an awesome time and uh you know that place is like it's uh unforgiving and so giving at the same time we all shot bomber blacktails um you know got the biggest one mark so here's on this (laughs) on this one i'll say like i mean if if we're gonna i it could have been me you know we haven't put a tape to anyone any of them i I probably won't you know what i mean but um and and that's just that's just happenstance. I mean, if you want to put a tape to something, put it on on sure. the memories and the size and the size that hunt because it is. Uh, you know, I mean, even for instance, like you know, Eric and I shot two bucks that were together. He shot just a really heavy two point with eye guards, and I crept over the ridge, and you know, there just happened to be a, a super nice buck, and I'm like, yep, that one will do. Boom. He's like, you know, it's the same hunt, it's just you know, just different deer. So um, it was uh, it was just I, I can't even put it into words as I'm not right now, but. Um, just just couldn't couldn't have been better you know we had rain fog we when eric and i shot those two bucks uh we ended up you know it was sunny when we shot them we packed them out in one of the gnarliest nastiest rain and wind storms i've ever been in in my life you know to the point where you know we're hiking out and we had uh you know mike and coop our camera guys who were just absolute studs and uh you know it's like one of those things where you know you hear people getting blown off ridges and i'm like hey you know be careful yeah here because (laughs) it was just it was ripping and then you know we packed the bucks off the next you know about noon i think we left about noon to get to the um plane by five the next day to have them do a a meat run and get the meat out of there but you know the next uh by noon the next day we're packing them out in merino t-shirts so Mm -hmm. it's just that's one of those things where you know kodiak is just you know the weather changes by the minute 
and uh, you never know what it's going to throw at you. And that's that's part of uh, I guess that's part of what le- leaves you with a level of trepidation, and it's part of what makes it so great. So when you're when you're getting ready for a hunt like this, and you can pick any optics you want, any you know you can pick uh, a the big 85 spotter or, or the little lightweight, um, one that we like to run. What, what do you, what do you like to take on a, a hunt like this? When you're, you're heading into Alaska, you're going to chase down a Kodiak blacktail. What is Mark Boardman? What rifle does, uh, scope do you put on your rifle? What spotter do you take and what binos do you run? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, to me, and you know, I mean, what I've been running for pretty much a lot of my hunts right now, and particularly something like Kodiak where, um, you know, there's just, you, you just kind of need the best of the best, right? Um, so I was personally running a set of 12 by 50, uh, razor UHD binos. That's what I had on my chest. I had the razor HD 4,000, uh, on my harness right next to them. And then on top of the rifle, I had the, uh, the razor HD LHT, uh, three to 15 by 42. And, and that thing, and we probably talked about it before, but I mean, it's, it's a fully featured top tier, optic uh you know built with all the you know things that you need to shoot long range if you have to uh eric and i shot our bucks at i think uh respective 60 and 80 yards so we didn't need to dial that <laughs> didn't need to dial that turret and that's just the way that stock worked. i mean that stock just worked out beautifully i mean the way the terrain laid out i mean it was tough getting in there but it put us right right on top of them um i think it should actually make for some pretty cool footage but uh and I mean, and that was my kit. And then we shared, um, you know, between the, the video guys and myself and Eric, we sh- shared a, a Razor uh, 65 millimeter angled spotter. And, uh, you know, that was one thing. I wasn't sure up there how much we would need the spotter. And we actually needed it, you know, a fair amount. I mean, you could spot these bucks from pretty far away up in that Alpine stuff. But um, to really get a look at them or see, like, if they are, you know, our bucks from, you know, a few miles away. Um, it was, it was nice having the spotter for sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I was never a spotter guy because I didn't want to pack the extra weight. I always wanted to be as light as I could be. And I felt like if I had good, you know, optics in my binoculars that, uh, you know, I could tell if that was a animal that I wanted to take, but now I do a lot more looking at animals than shooting them. I, you know, at this point it's like, you know, I would rather hold out and, and wait for a mature animal so it's kind of cool to be able to really zoom in and, and attach your phone to a critter and just watch them. And I it's, spend more time watching them and using a spotter is a great way. Well, you're you're you basically just, just like you're watching. And that's the cool to, to, to be able to put that phone on there. Now you got two guys looking at the same. And deal. then you can it, capture video, yes, and, you know, know especially just, with bears. I love watching and, bears. And, and I'm running just, that new angled spotter as well now. Yeah. And it's just, man, that thing is just a weapon, but it can save you. It, it you know it saves you making a stock on the wrong animal. Sure. It saves you time in the long run, and and it just it, it enhances your experience, Mark. No, I mean you guys you guys nailed it. You know, and and you know sometimes I bring it, sometimes sometimes I don't. Right, it just it depends on the hunt. And this was this was a hunt where I was definitely glad that we had we had brought one. You know, even looking at the aerials, I I was assuming like you know we'd be kind of peeking down into little cuts and being like, oh, there's a deer. You know, you know one to three hundred yards away and. And we were just doing a lot of um, spotting from literally miles away. I mean, when Eric and I put the stock on those bucks, we saw them from, you know, I don't know, two, two, three miles away at least, right? Um, and, and the 12s were great. I could tell that there was uh, some good bucks up in there. 
um, or at least that they, that they were bucks, right? But that's about all you could tell at that distance. So, um, and Eric had a set of 10, I think he had 10 by 50s or 10 by 42 UHDs um, is what he had on his chest. So even like a little less magnification, right? So, yeah, it just, but I mean, that kit combined was just, you know, it was perfect. It was off the charts. I really, I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change a thing that we did as far as, you know, what we brought for optics. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I've been running to is, is that whole, that same setup. So, okay. So I know Brad and, and those guys from Margali, what did you do to get in shape for this hunt? Because those guys are freaks and you know, you, you, you want to be able to keep up. You never know. Those guys might drag you 20 miles across the mountains and you, you got to be ready for that hunt. So what did you, what did you do leading up to this hunt to get yourself in shape? Oh yeah. I mean, Brad and Jason are just absolute manimal status, uh, when they, when they hit the mountains. And so, you know, I mean, I worked, you know, I, I uh, started working probably about the first of the year actually. And it, it wasn't really like um, oh, a new year's thing it was like, Hey, I got to get ready for this Kodiak hunt thing. So man, just, you know, I mean, it's the classics, you know, diet and exercise, basically saying, saying no to any, uh, you know, processed food and sugars and things like that. And, you know, saying no to myself when I didn't want to work out. So, and, um, you know, by, by this hunt, I was down 20 pounds. I was, you know, in, in better shape than I've been in in a while. And, and honestly, I mean, the scary thing is, is like after the hunt, I was more motivated than ever to get in shape because it's still, it, you know, it still was a grinder. So, um, it, uh, yeah, that, that place is, uh, it's something else, uh, for sure. And, and I'd say one of the most challenging parts was just getting in. We flew into the ocean and, uh, you know, looking at the aerials, you're like, oh yeah, we could probably get up here, probably get up there. I mean, there was really one route that we could get up to the ridge system that we wanted to hunt and uh, it was steep, you know, I mean, it was, you know, micro spikes and, you know, up and down and, and, uh, you know, even going up the first time I was like, you know, you always hear like, Oh, don't go up, but you can't go down. And that was kind of in the back of my head, the whole hunt. I'm like, you know, how mm-hmm. are we going to get, you know, our camp and these bucks off this mountain. But at the end of the day, like, um, we did it right. And it's like, so now for me personally, it's like, okay, cool. Now when I see something that, that, that looks like that, it's like, yeah, yeah, I know I can do it and we can do it and, uh, and, uh, just get after it. So, so what you have a busy season coming up here. What's next? What's your next hunt? You know, so hopefully going to get out for a uh, uh, an archery elk hunt if I can fit that in, and then uh, rifle mule deer. So those are kind of the two biggies, you know, outside of uh, of uh, deer home in in Wisconsin. So going to hopefully get out for uh, you know a significant amount of time, chase bucks with the bow, and and uh, so those are kind of the big three that that I've got coming. Well, up. and then uh, Joey tells me that you uh, you may be gracing our presence uh, this this time next year. Where we can get a little, uh, get a little rod time, a little rifle time in too. So I look forward to getting you back out here, Mark Boardman. And thank you for your time this morning. Go check out Vortex Optics, and also you guys do a, a, a pretty cool podcast. Tell us real briefly about that. So yeah, so that's you know that's a major component of what I do at Vortex, the Vortex Nation podcast. So we cover hunting, shooting, reloading. Uh, I mean, just, you know, a, a wide, uh, breadth of, of topics related to those things. And, uh, yeah. So if, if you, uh, are interested in those things, which I think a lot of your listeners are, give, uh, give us a listen, check it out. We, uh, we hopefully don't find something useful. We do not miss very many episodes. No question about it. He's Mark Boardman. Go check it out. Vortexoptics.com. Mark, you take care. Congratulations on a great buck, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Great chat, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Later, Mark. You take care. Also, quick reminder, uh, Hunter Side In, there's a Hunter Side In event on VortexOptics.com, but also the, the – uh 
Seattle Rifle and Pistol Association, that's srpa.org, is going to be open on weekends starting the 24th, the 25th of, uh, of September here and moving into October. So go check that out on more, srpa.org. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI Shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, and the Seattle Sports app. Big thanks to uh, BOMAC, our dear friend Bob Buchanan, for uh, setting us up with so much great stuff. I mean, that his line coiling system on the boat for crabbing, is it, it was a game changer for us. Well, and we had one of the best coilers Oh, Matt Watson. In the game. Excuse me, excuse me. Oh. Jacob Watson, sorry. There's another Matt Watson from uh, New Zealand. He was, uh, he's a dandy. Not but. only was the Chinook fishing good, but the crabbing was pretty good, right? It was, yeah, and eating them yeah. <laughs> on the dock. Yeah. Was, and we have this, realizing I could just crack it open with my teeth instead of, you know, instead of, you know, cracking open with a... You know, with, a, with a cracker. Yeah, so, had you ever you ever done the dungeon ass crabbing thing before? Never, never. Yeah. And um, I remember you, you. You're like, here's how you do it. And you put it in your mouth, and then you hand it to me. And it's just, it, it was a primal experience. You're standing in the dock and eating the crab, eating hot crab. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah, there's the nothing crab. better. And and standing on the dock, you know, we, we're all on the boat together all day, and we're just talking, and everybody's having conversation, and we're we're fishing, and it's you know fast paced. And then we get back and. I fillet all the fish, and Tom's cooking the crab on the dock, and everybody's still having conversation. Oh, and then Phil's, all of a sudden, Phil's cleaning crab too. Dude. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and then absolutely. all of a sudden, it's just quiet. Silence. The silence. All you hear is the sound of <laughs> crack, crab crack. cracking. And and Phil's been telling me about this for three months. Ever since he said we got to get out there and and we got to do this, he's like, and we we are going to catch Dungeness crab. And he gets this excited kind of like tone in his voice. And we're going to catch salmon and we're going to eat the Dungeness crab on the dock. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And, um, and, and, he, and every time we talked, he's like reiterated this. And, and, uh, and then experiencing it, I, it's just amazing. I, actually, I took a, a picture of Phil. He was, everyone was away from the crab pot and he was just standing there kind of looking at it like with the, with, yeah. excitement <laughs> and his face this smile he's in his happy place it's funny and, to watch you know I got up on the top of the boat and took pictures of the deck and everybody just leaning over the rail with this oh, yeah. anticipation just looking at this line going down <sighs> into the water like ooh what's coming up well you, you know, notice where I am right oh yeah I do it all the time and it for me it's it never gets old I I'm I watch as it's coming up on the sounder so I know yeah. You know, it's at 100 feet. It's at 50. It's at 25. There's, and that, then there's that stick again. On I the know. <laughs> I, some people that are on the boat, they go lean over and they're leaning over the boat the whole time. Right. And I'm like, there's 400 feet of line, dude. <laughs> and then I'm like, look, it's just now coming off the bottom. You've been standing over there for like two minutes. It's at 150 feet right now. And so I just kick back. And then when it's like at 12 feet, I go over and I'm right there. And, you you know, you look down in the water and here it comes. And I can tell how many crab are in it when it's 10 or 12 feet down because I can see the, the white, you know, mm-hmm. the, the white legs color. and whatnot, yeah. But that, <sighs> that Duckworth is absolutely set up for that. we got the live well across the back and the extendable puller that sticks out there in the capstan. You know, it's that thing, that thing just hauls. But, oh, your setup is so just a it's, crab crushing it, machine. It is. You got the rear, rear helm to back pot. there to, to, to set the boat up, to, yeah. to set the gear. So, so uh, Phil Spielgene, you, you and I now have spent, you know, Days, yeah, almost, almost. What do you say? Twenty eight days on the water now, since since twenty nineteen when I first got that boat, and and so you know, looking at your the way you looked at Pacific Northwest and Alaskan Mm -hmm. fisheries then and now, and how that's going to translate into your 
product development? I mean, what are some of the inputs? What are some of the key takeaways from all that time in water, Phil Spielstein? Well, this is just such a diverse environment and a dynamic environment. And when when you're trolling deep and slow like that, it's it's not just one technique that you have to do. I look at all the different techniques, the kingfishing techniques, the trolling techniques that we do, the other deep techniques that we do around the around the world, and they all culminate in salmon fishing. It's not just a visual thing. You got to have the flash right. You got to have the depth right. You got to have the speed right. But it's also a scent thing. You got to have the right bait. Mm-hmm. Was it? Does it need a hoochie? Does it need a spoon? Does it need a cut plug? It's, it's endless in the in the variety in such a dynamic environment. It keeps you on the toe. It's the most technical fishing on the planet. And, and that's a key perspective because most of the world trolls surface orientation mm-hmm. shall, deep and excuse me shallow and fast, right? Tuna, right. shallow and fast, big game, right. you know, poppers on the surface, all that kind of stuff. They troll shallow and fast all across Florida. They go, you fish how deep, yeah. how slow, and they don't get it. And, and that that manifests itself in the manufacturer's direction mm-hmm. of some of their products. Even to the point where, you know, you can't find a center console bolt with a kicker on it. Right. Right? And, and if we don't have a kicker, we're racking up thousands of hours on a really expensive outboard that doesn't give us the speed control imbued in a 25, ho- 25 right. horse. Right? And I, and I can't wait for everybody listening. I don't talk about stuff that comes in the future. <laughs> I, I, we just don't. You know, we always improve year yeah. over year. But I can tell you the time that I've spent over up here the last several years is definitely translating to products that are going to directly make your fishing experience better. I'm a simple man, and I love to fish. So what can I do as a – what started out as a rank amateur, then I'll just, just rank. I'm not an amateur anymore, right? So as we progress through this, now how can I bring products that makes everybody here have a better experience, spend less money, get more smiles, turn their kids out on it, have a great time with it? I've been in the marine – world my whole life it wasn't until you jumped on my boat that i had an outboard manufacturer that was interested in doing product development and and product testing on the water it wasn't until i i came aboard with renaissance marine group that that i had people jump on board my weldcraft and now duckworth and say listen how do we make this better and it wasn't until i met greg sherrill that i had somebody on board the boat that was inquisitive enough intuitive enough and inventive enough to come up with a product that made all these experiences that much better, that much quieter, and that much less expensive. Greg Shero. Thank you. And, um, you know, what I experienced on, on this trip that, that, that really resonated with me and um, is how the pickup and go is so important between, you know, between the spots and how that, that uh, performance attribute that, you know, is a stat that people love you know, seeing on our website and they love knowing that they, can, they have a great hole shot, but it matters for you guys. Speed you, You've got to get you, – you have to get exactly. out of the hole fast. You've got to get to the next location really quickly. And so seeing that, uh, that performance attribute have a real purpose was something that I thought was really, really cool. And then communication. Uh, every time right before you, you, you hit the hammer down, it was like, is everybody good in the back? And now you can actually hear – yeah. Everybody on yeah. the boat at all times. So it's safer, I think, for for people who are on the water 12 hours a day. You get tired, you know, and to be always be able to hear what everybody is saying, no matter what operating range you're at, you're wide open throttle. You know, you could talk to someone in the back of the boat at wide open throttle. And uh, so seeing that firsthand and knowing, all right, this is something that could really help people who are commercial fishermen. And, or sport fishermen, anybody who loves anybody, fishing. Anybody. Nobody wants, you know, I, I love the sound of the Yamahas, but we can now turn, we turned the volume down a little bit of an, of an engine that was already quiet. Yeah. And had tones that, that and that's something you, you strive for in the right. factory setting is further DB reduction in the engine. Nobody wants a loud engine. 
all the way around, noise, vibration, harshness, yes. all of those things. And, and my big deal is how do we make your experience better? How, how do we make a product that's already really good even better? How do we make something, how do we change how we look at our boat? How do we look outside the box? And that's another great thing when I, I really keyed in with Greg's from the very beginning. You're looking outside the box to find a solution for a problem that, that you didn't even know you had yet. But, but I know this other problem we have, and we put those two things together. It's just innovation. And, man, thanks for having me on your boat so many times over these years just to really <laughs> translate. <It's, laughs> Listeners, thank Tom. Thank all of these great sponsors that keep us out on the water to do this because it really does translate to a better experience for everybody down the road. You know, you mentioned the, like, jumping up out of the water. Like, yeah. when, when we – Tom and I have a feeling that the, the fish have we, – we've outfished our run. Right. It's time to – Get the gear up and get back to the top. We there's a it's a, sometimes the bite is really short and you want to take advantage of that. And you saw everything we do on that boat, we do it as fast as we possibly can it's and as safely as we operation. can. With all you know, you got all these people on the back all these people on the back deck. You have to do it safely. You got big heavy cannonballs. You got you know cannon downriggers swinging around. You got nets. You got hooks. You got rods, but. It all comes down to efficiency when it, it when the bite is on, you have to take advantage. That's why I people ask, like, man, how do you guys catch so many fish? It's like, well, we take it very seriously. Everything we do on that boat, we do it for a reason. Tom and I are constantly, like, we're almost connected yeah, and we it, don't have to talk. It's, it is. It's, it, a lot of it's nonverbal. But, but look at what you're coordinating here. Okay, if you're fishing 125 feet of water, well, you've got 250 feet of downrigger line, your cable going down, right? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you got twice that in monofilament and braid going down there, too. Then you got two flashers down there. You want to coordinate all that while dropping the kicker down. Okay, at the end of the run, that 250 feet of wire's got to come up. All that, all that mono and braid's got to come up. And then 600 horses come into play. And, and so do you get to coordinate that into a symphony of fish slaying, right? But, again, you, with the Cheryl props... I, I want that boat to be 30 feet wide and nine feet, excuse me, 30 feet long and nine feet wide while I'm fishing, but I want it to be a little boat when I get it up on plane and go back, and that's what Cheryl has done for that boat, dude. It really felt different. Yeah. Everybody felt it. When we put that prop on, everybody, we were all looking at each other, and we were like, this feels good. Yeah. Just cruising. And, uh, and you know, so thank you guys. Dude, for, thank you, man. For I giving me it. the experience I had this weekend for giving me an opportunity to, to get these props on your boat and... um I'm just so happy you guys are thrilled and that we all had a great experience and all learned something. How are you going to get that uh, cooler of salmon and crab through uh, airport security without those airport security guys start? They, they look really well fed. <laughs> TSA looks. <laughs> you better say in Seattle. You better, yeah. duck, your hands you better off my... duct tape that cooler. <laughs> yeah. Use a whole roll of duct tape. None of those TSA, TSA guys are missing any meals, dude. Yeah. So you just watch that. So tape your shot. Hands off my fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg Cheryl, thanks, man. We'll let you get out of here and get a flight, but we appreciate it and hope, uh, hope we can talk you into coming back this neck of the woods. Thank you for having me. I'm definitely back. I got a year fishing license. I get. Oh, no. Oh, no. back. We wanted you a two-day license. He bought a year license. This this, this could not end up well. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Whereas Robbo will assert that I should be institutionalized, our next guest has been running an institution on the on the Everett waterfront for over four decades. Lauren Bivens of HarborMarine.net joining us this morning. Good morning, Mr. Bivens. How morning, are you? Good morning, Lauren. Well, good morning, guys. How are you? 
Well, we're, we're, we're doing good. We're wondering what, how the ramp line looks on the way mm-hmm. to, on, on 10th Street there on the way down to the boat ramp. Are they are they backed up out to Marine View Drive? Well, it, it kind of looks like a little bit of a cruise. It's kind of low and slow as they, as they <laughs> get into the water. <laughs> yeah, there's a pretty good lineup here for sure. Well, okay, that gives great. folks uh, time to swing into Harbor Marine there and pick up some supplies and some some tickets too. It sounds like you got tickets on sale till eight o'clock this morning. If folks need their uh, their derby tickets, what else is going on there, buddy? Well, absolutely. In fact, uh, your chances might be a little extra good. They're a little light on ticket sales this year, so you can still come. And, and Dave Miller's here uh, selling tickets uh, for the Derby up until 8 o'clock this morning. You're correct. And, and um, so, uh, we, as Tommy, you know, we marked a lot of fish out there the other day. There's plenty of opportunity for people to go out and catch that big one for the uh, a nice prize on uh, on Sunday. Don't yeah, you think? no question about it. And, and and Lauren, you got the toughest weather day of the of the entire week too. We got out on Thursday. I took the gang from from Harbor out there and 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 we you know, we got a couple fish, but it's it, it was it was a tougher day. It was just blowing like you know what and 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 so it it when that happens, it makes a more difficult Difficult opportunity to read the water and just you know it wasn't the greatest bite in the world. But you still got some, you still got some coho dinner on the on the table that night. Oh boy, and was that good? That that was unbelievably that fresh fish was amazing, and that that yeah, low and slow again on on the cooking too. That was uh, that was a good suggestion. Well, that's part. that's the Joey Pyburn protocol for the for the pellet grill. That that thing that thing works outstanding. Oh. So so a, a couple things, you know what we our our chances came on bait. You sell bait there at Harbor Marine and, and, a, and a bunch of other gear. So if you're if you're looking for any last minute things, make sure you stop by Harbor. But but Lauren, I I pulled my boat out yesterday. It's it's the end of the season for the Sea Beast, and I I just got a couple questions for you with regard to a long layover and the fuel that's in that tank. So if I've if I've got a half a tank of just fuel, how should I prepare that boat to sit for a couple months? Well, probably first of all, you should probably fill that tank up. You, we want to, we don't want anything condensing inside there and regardless of what you do you need to put some fuel stabilizer in it gotcha and so give us a brand name give us a recommendation what and what's in that stuff okay well I mean there's all kinds of secret elixirs in there but you, just to make sure that stuff does not <laughs> absorb moisture but you know we, we've got all the major brands here you know things like everybody knows like stable but uh, Sierra is a big brand that we push out here they have lots of great products and and uh, uh, maintenance parts and, and you know fogging oils and what have you. Uh, Startron by Starbright's another great uh, product line we have too. So um, they all work great, um, and so we we have all those available for uh, to uh, to treat your fuel, which is very very important at the end of the season. If that stuff sits over again, we don't want to have uh, any moisture getting into your uh, motor here when you start her up next year. So guys should put some stable or something in their fuel tank and then probably also run their motors to get that fuel into the motors before it sits? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, yeah, definitely. And so that is another part of the process, you know, just flushing your system out and everything. We've got other products like Saldaway. We have uh, some uh, antifreeze that uh, you can pump through your system so that if you do, it is outside and it's not heated for any reason. Things don't freeze up and break, so that's a real important thing to do. And we have kits for that, uh, you know, or flushers. There's lots of different ways to get that stuff in in your motor. But yeah, very very important to uh, make sure you put that fuel stabilizer run it all the way through your motors. Get out there and 
make sure you're getting uh, all that uh, treated fuel into your engine. You mentioned that RV antifreeze. You want to run that through your, your your washdown system and keep it in there over the winter. I can't tell you how many pumps I've blown up over the winter time, thinking it's empty and there's still just a little bit of water in there and it, it freezes up, blows the impeller, blows the whole thing apart. Now, wintertime is when you want to do all your electrical work on your boats. Uh, I, I know this firsthand. I rewired an entire boat last year with a good friend, and we had a heck of a time finding Blue Seas stuff. You have probably the biggest selection of Blue Seas uh, parts uh, for electrical, you know, marine electrical parts in, in the Northwest. How are you doing on that stuff, man? Has it been hard to find? Well, uh, yeah, some of the parts have been hard to find. I, I will say that uh, we're stocked pretty heavy on, on uh, most of it. Uh, you've and if, if nobody has it, uh, we probably still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we've probably got, uh, I don't know, the 60 or 80 feet of, of just Blue Seas products <laughs> mm-hmm. that, you know, are the, the highest quality for Blue Seas Pro Shop, for sure. Or maintain what you have. Yeah, well, so, you know, not everybody's done fishing. We still have quite a bit of fishing to do here. So uh, before everybody shuts it down and, and makes the rush for all that stuff, guys might want to think about popping in there if you're thinking about doing a project. Get in there now. Get ahead of the, cr- the crowd, you know. Nelly jumped, jumped the shark and pulled his boat, boat out early. Um, so I'm a, spe- I'm a special case, though. Yeah. We, we, we started fairly early, but uh, no. You the, never quit. I don't. I, I really don't quit, but but that's that's the deal, too, Lauren. And, 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 and if there's one thing that you've taught me over the years is, is there's definitely a difference between marine-grade electrical components for your boat and stuff that you're going to get in the, in, in the auto, auto parts store, too. Same thing goes with batteries, Lauren. It, it, it's you have marine grade batteries, and they're just not the same acid, lead acid junk you can buy at a, at an auto parts store. So if you're putting, if you're replacing or adding battery capacity, what are some of the battery technologies that guys should be considering? Well, AGM is probably the, the most prominent out there right now. You know, it's something you don't have to add water to, and so on, and and. You're not getting those vapors that's adding to the corrosion just that we have an overall, you know, saltwater marine environment that we're dealing with. Uh, so th- that's a huge plus right there. So AGM technology is is probably, the again, uh, the, the way to go right now. I mean, you can go into lithium-style batteries, but that that's, uh, gets to some pretty technical high-end stuff and, and is probably not for everybody, but it does happen too. My my issue with lead-acid batteries in an aluminum boat is if that battery case ever cracks, it's going to eat a hole in the bottom of your boat. <laughs> that, well, I mean, just it's a plain and simple fact, you know, and so every battery on my boat's an AGM, but you bring up a great point because just – you know, if if you ever have to service a lead acid battery, you're you're right that there, there there's a corrosive gas that that those batteries emit. That and the fact you add that to the existing salt fog that is in your bilges. And, and so I remember a couple of years ago we did a seminar with one of the guys from the Blue Sea System, and I and 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 I asked him, I go, right. why why does this stuff go away so fast? He goes, look, knucklehead, you're out in Puget Sound, you're shaking that boat up, there's a salt fog. If you think that salt is just in the water, no, it's in the air, and that salty air gets on your electrical components, and there you go. you got the green monster that you got to fight every year. Right, the electrolytes, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, keeping all that stuff sealed and, and oiled up and using quality products is what keeps you on the water and running smoothly. I mean, you just want that dependability when you're out there. You want to be able to just concentrate on catching the fish, not yeah. where you thinking about <laughs> is your boat going to make it back to shore well, or not. You got that right. All right, you've been around this Everett Coho Derby for a long, long time. What do you, what's your what's your pick, man? What's the winning fish going to be today, buddy? 
Wow. Uh, the the number that comes to my mind is 15.3. Ooh. Got it and killed. No, no, no. No, no, no. No. It, nope. Edmonds has got it and killed. Okay. This no, is this straight is, up. No, okay. you stuff kidney That's secret. about right. Yeah, yeah I think That's so, too. That's about right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I thought it might take a 15, 16-pounder to win this. Did thing. you you even, what would you say, 15.8? 15, 15, 15.3. Right yeah. on the money. Okay. All right. All right. We'll put you on. We'll put you on the board. That's pretty solid, man. There, there's no prize, but you'll have our undying affection and respect if you hit the number right on that. So. <laughs> Lauren Bevins, go check him out. Harbormarine.net, right on your way, no matter where you're going, just uh, on the 10th Street boat ramp, selling Everett Coho Derby tickets for another hour and a half yet. Lauren, thanks for your time, and we'll see you later because I'm coming by to get Thank some you, stabilizer Lauren. for sure. Thanks, Have a man. great weekend, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Lauren. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the RenaissanceMarineGroup.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Wellcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. So I'm motoring down the no-wake zone in the Everett Harbor, okay? And all of a sudden, my boat starts rocking. I'm looking to the left and the right, and there's there's not, nobody's making a wake in the no-wake zone. Caleb McGarry is standing in the middle of my transom with a 30-foot Duckworth and making it rock just by shifting his weight. Which that, our, our boat, ne- that, that boat never, never moves. Thanks a lot, Caleb. You just shook my whole confidence in my boat and its stability, <laughs> dude. Caleb McGarry, Atlanta Falcons, former UW tackle, joining us. Um, so much fun having you guys on the boat, dude. Man, I, I really can't thank you enough. That was an absolute blast. The guys have been talking about it all week. Man, that's the first time a lot of – Pretty much all of them catching salmon, uh, dude. That was that was just a blast. I, I really can't thank you guys enough. How was dinner that night? Absolutely stellar, dude. They didn't believe me. They did not believe <laughs> me that fresh salmon is as a whole other thing, man. And there, we made believers out of all of them. Well, you had some. Of you, you had a, a guy for the Steve from the the coaching staff who was kind of a nutritionist. He had to call the executive chef at your team's hotel, and you got he had to sign a waiver because it wasn't a typical you know supply line type deal. But there, there's uh-huh. not a lot of things I'm supremely confident. In. I knew nobody was going to get sick eating that dude because we caught it that day. So so the executive chef of the rest, what he cedar planked that and, and did a couple other things. Yeah, and- how would he cook it, man? He did he cedar he did a cedar plank on all of them, and he. Uh, there's like a brown sugar and curry, and I can't I can't remember what the other ones were, but that brown sugar and curry was absolutely incredible. I think that was the one that got hit, and I, uh, he used like lemon lemon on on uh, one of the other ones, and I can't remember at all the third because I was I was busy chowing down on that brown sugar and curry. Well, I love the fact that you're you're, you're getting these other O line guys with you in there to experience some of this stuff. I mean, you grew up in the woods, man, fishing and hunting in Southwest Washington. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you still do a bunch of hunting out this way, right? You, you join up with your dad and your brother and stuff and, and still hunt out here in the Northwest? Yeah, whenever I get the chance, man. Mm-hmm. I, uh, You know, unfortunately, I'm busy during pretty much all of deer and elk season, so that kind of puts a hole in, you know, the deer woods for me. But uh, that's all right. When I get back, you know, I get a, a spring turkey and spring bear. So I, I get out whenever I can. So coming into the trip, you know, we hadn't met and you hadn't been on the boat and the guys kind of didn't know what to expect. But uh, uh, so tell us a little bit about what you thought was going to happen versus what happened out on the water, because we, we we got your guys rods bent pretty good that day. <laughs> you know, uh, I haven't I haven't been on a lot of guide boats, so, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I figured we'd we'd get out there and, you know, it'd be a. I mean, I certainly didn't think the boats would be as nice as they were. Those, those are those are vessels of your guys are gorgeous, man. Uh, 
you know, I figured we'd get out there and there'd be a couple fish throughout the day, but I wasn't, you know, I was certainly wasn't expecting for us to haul in what, what we, what was the total 14 or 16 yeah. salmon. <laughs> and yeah, we, it was and, awesome. And probably hooked twice that. I mean, it was just, they were coming unglued oh on us, man. Yeah. Well, and you guys, awesome. you guys did, Tom and I fished with a lot of, a lot of folks, you know, we take all our friends and, and people from the radio show and. You guys did really well landing fish. I mean, better than the average. You know what I think it is? These guys were so big that they could, you know, the leverage on the rod. Like, they were able to keep the yeah. rod tight, rod tips up. You guys did a great job, man. Are they Most, coachable? You're yeah. saying they were coachable? You know what? Football yeah. players are always coachable. <laughs> so now we, and, we're, and Tom and I are kind of afraid to yell at him like oh, normal no. people. Oh, no. Was Tom yelling at you? I guarantee he was yelling at you the whole time. Was he screaming at you, buddy? Well, you were used to that, though, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I get, I get my first. I didn't uh, yell at you guys. He, he, Come on, he's man. Of sunshine. <laughs> uh, so, did he trade in off any like false starts or anything for this fishing trip? Did you have to like give you know trade anything off on Sunday to to go on this trip or anything, buddy? You know, I I had to make some very uh, some very exclusive offers. But, you know, eventually, eventually we got permission. We, we got we ended up we ended up getting a signed jersey out of you, but uh, it cracked me up, man, because I did not I knew these guys were going to come hungry, right? So we had we had the the elk brats, we had the deer salami. We had the smoked salmon on there, and then I went and got a couple dozen, couple dozen fresh bagels, right? Actually, two, three dozen. And you guys mowed that 20 stuff. pounds of bacon. Dude, I'm telling know, you. Four dozen <laughs> eggs. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, definitely, definitely mowed that stuff down. So so you love hunting, man. I mean, and you do a bunch of fishing, too. Uh, you know, if you had one place in the world you could go hunting, where would it be? Would it be right here at home with your family, or what would you do, man? Oh, boy. That's, you know, it, it probably would be be right here mm-hmm. in Washington because there's just so there's so much diversity uh in game you know mm-hmm. we got uh we got moose we got black bear we got what three so three species of deer mm-hmm. uh we got three species of turkey we got different uh, species of grouse we got pheasant chuck I mean we got we, we got, got it everything all. man it, and the fishing is you know, almost unparalleled do you have a favorite game animal to chase? You, are you an elk guy? You know you like hunting bears. I, I love hunting bears. So you, what's your favorite thing to chase? Boy, that's tough. I haven't gotten to go elk hunting yet just because of football. And, you know, the timing's just never been right. Um, so I can't, I, I can't, you know, give a, you know, a hundred percent answer, but I think, I think right, right now it's definitely bear. I think, uh, my love is definitely bear hunting. Um, Although I really, I really enjoy pheasant hunting uh, with my dad and my brother because that's that's a lot of fun. You're out there with your dogs and you know just you and the guys kind of wandering around waiting for something to fly up and you're just, do you just do you, do you use a gun or do you just swat them out of the air? <laughs> no, what the heck, dude? <laughs> well, actually, I have this uh, really really nice wide long handled frying pan. <laughs> you know, I pack around. So, uh, give Caleb McGarry a follow on Twitter, and, and uh, one of your tweets this week was you standing on you know your native your native habitat, the UW uh, home field there, Husky Stadium, and uh, you guys are the Atlanta Falcons are that's that's your practice field this week, right? So what's what's the rest of this weekend look like for you? Meetings tonight, and then what time you got to be at the stadium? Because you you know you started off the week Tuesday catching coho, and you're going to be blocking Seahawks tomorrow. So what what's the rest of uh, the weekend look like for you? Rest of the weekend, you know, it's pretty simple. We're down to crunch time now, so it's you know meetings, final 
uh, trimming of details, you know, cleaning up little things up here and there, uh, going over finer points of the game plan, and, you know, then just wake up and be ready to rock and roll tomorrow. Well, I, I got to admit, I'm a, little, I'm a little bit torn, right? You know, growing up around here, I've always been kind of a Seahawks fan. But after <laughs> after after meeting you guys, you sell know, out. a He's little a bit, a little out, bit, Caleb. just a little well, and, bit. And what about what about what about you, Caleb? Yeah, I mean, you're you're a local you're a local boy. I mean, you got to be a Seahawks yeah, fan know. too, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if, 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 if you see a, if you see a Caleb McGarry jersey tomorrow at the Everett Coho Derby, that would be me. It'll be Joey Pyburn. I'm going to get some blood on that jersey tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, man. One I of these days, one of these days, it. we're going to get you in a duck blind or something out here and and uh, get you out shooting some geese or ducks with us. In the meantime, good luck at the game tomorrow, man. And and thanks so much for jumping on with us this morning. Uh, read a bunch about you and stuff, and and we really look forward to spending some time in the woods or on the water with you, man. You sound like uh, our kind of guy, buddy. Appreciate it, guys. Likewise, man. I'd love that. All right, dude. All right. Good well, luck tomorrow, good, yeah, buddy. Good luck tomorrow, and, and, and stay in touch, Caleb. You take care, buddy. Thanks, fellas. You, right. you guys, too. Later, right. brother. Thanks for your time, man. Thanks for listening to this very special best of the outdoor line. Miss any of the show? Jump on mynorthwest.com. Hit theoutdoorline.com for podcasts. Give us a follow on social media at Joey Pyburn on Instagram, at Rob Esley on Instagram, or at the outdoor line on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. For Joey Pyburn, for Rob Esley, Matt Nelson behind the glasses, Tom Nelson. This has been the outdoor line, Seattle Sports Station 710, and the Seattle Sports app.